Welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. I am your host, Attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. I'm very excited today to introduce Danny Hughes. Danny Hughes is a partner with Chicago-based Thompson Flanagan. Thompson Flanagan provides E&O insurance to businesses across the country. Danny has developed a niche in the legal market with a sub-niche working with trial attorneys. Today's episode will be focusing on insurance products, professional liability insurance products for lawyers, and we'll be speaking about trial attorneys and lawyers generally. Danny, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little more about yourself. Sure, please. We are based out of Chicago. We are 15 years old. Thompson Flanagan is a very boutique broker. We handle a lot of the white collar insurance nationally in lawyers, private equity, venture capital, and in the financial institution space. We do title insurance. We do benefits, PNC. We are a full service brokerage, but I specifically uh, work on with a group of about 20 individuals on our team that uh, handles professional liability, uh, cyber liability, employment practices, and all lines of insurance for law firms. That's what our group does, the Thompson Flanagan and Company. And you and I both participated and were sponsors at the AAJ Winter Convention of 2020 in New Orleans. Know you've developed a specialty working with trial attorneys. Could you speak to how malpractice insurance products, how they develop and what kind of options in particular are available to trial attorneys? I've done this for 14 years and about 12 of the 14 years, I've really concentrated on an underserved area of practice, which is the trial lawyers, the AAJ attorneys. And one of the things when I started getting into this business, into the trial attorneys business, I found a real need uh, that it was an underserved and underbroker and underappreciated line area of practice. They were not being represented very well, in my opinion. As we know, uh, trial lawyers sue insurance companies, so they don't have a lot of friends on the insurance side of the business. And I found out that they relied on a lot of other people to broker their insurance. And, And at the end of the day, as you know, they are all entrepreneurs. So to meet these kind of people that are incredible entrepreneurs, incredible business people, and they were underserved and underappreciated, I kind of found an area that I have really enjoyed being an advocate for. So 12 years later, we represent 260 of some of the biggest plaintiff firms in the country out of uh, about 600 law firms we represent. And I travel about 50 to 60 times a year on behalf of the plaintiff's bar. And it has been eye-opening. It's great for business, but more than anything, I'm able to help people and help them find the insurance products. We are a true third-party broker. We represent all the domestic, 30 domestic insurance carriers and 15 Lloyds of London syndicates. Out of those 30 insurance carriers domestically, about 15 of them will consider a primary position on a plaintiff firm. 
when I first started calling on the plaintiff firms, there were probably about five insurance companies. So we've opened up, I'd like to say we are a big part of opening up this market to appreciating the plaintiff law firm and the good risk that they are. It's been good for both the law firm and the insurance carriers because at the end of the day, uh, the plaintiff firms are run kind of uniquely to themselves that they are a business as well as a law firm. And that is easy for an underwriter to grasp that as a business, they are uh, well run. So they are more, they are a very attractive risk. And I'd like to say that we had a big part in doing that for the insurance market. Well, congratulations, and I'm sure you're giving great value. 260 plaintiffs firms nationwide. Could you speak a little bit to why trial attorneys present what you called good risk to underwriters? There's always been a mis misperception about the plaintiff lawyer, and I believe it's because they sue insurance companies that the insurance companies have always had a bad taste in their mouth for plaintiff lawyers. In my opinion, you have to write these underwriters and the insurance companies in this silo of lawyer professional liability. You have to underwrite law firms. Well, why not do it profitably? These plaintiff firms are buying insurance. They are, in my opinion, a better risk. And I say that because many of my clients specifically know to the penny what it takes to bring a case into their firm. Many of the courts do not allow for a plaintiff firm to breathe without having to have agreement from everybody on their cases. There's just a lot of intricate things that make up a plaintiff firm that show them to be a very favorable risk. And that's kind of what we relate to the markets, whether you're a plaintiff class action, plaintiff mass tort, whether you're a car accident firm, whether you're the tip of the arrow on an MDL, whether you're just gathering cases and giving it into the lead 10 on the leadership committee, we know how to kind of message that to the market of what kind of firm you are. And the market really has uh, been very uh, receptive to our messaging on behalf of the plaintiff firm. Well, thank you. There's a particular acronym that you and I both know and that typically causes owners and managing partners of law firms that are considering succession planning for their practices or transitions in their practices to drop their jaw. And that's the ERP. Could you explain what an ERP is and a typical cost associated with it and some planning that senior attorneys can consider uh, with regard to the ERPs that are in every policy? Yeah, sure. Now, uh, I'll start out with a, um, a very lawyerly statement that each policy has its own language and policy requirements, and each has its own new nuance. So please check your own policies or if someone wants to reach out to me, you can get my contact information. But at the end of the day, an ERP is called an extended reporting period. And there are many different kinds. And whether you're an individual attorney or a law firm, it is a jaw-dropping sticker shock experience because we are usually the last thing people do. They take care of all their other business and then they worry about their insurance last. The only two real situations I come across every day 
This is a question I get asked more than any other question in my day-to-day activities. I get, you know, 10 phone calls a week on this specific subject. So the two times it is an essential part of what your business is, is if a law firm is going out of business or a law firm is getting merged or purchased, you are going to be required, not legally required, but if you want to protect everything that's ever been done at that law firm and its work product, you have to purchase a tail. And that tail, the pricing and the language is all within your policy. It's the only non-negotiable in our business. All the pricing is based built into the policy. So you have an opportunity as a law firm to buy a tail or an extended reporting period if you shut the doors down or if you sell yourself or you're getting bought. Uh, We get brought in on mergers and acquisitions all the time where we are required as the broker of the larger firm to broker that extended reporting period for our clients so that they're taken care of. So we will take care of that smaller firm's ERP. In terms of what you are talking about in terms of individuals, there are many different kinds, but I get phone calls every day about the ERP. In the extended reporting period, if you are truly retiring from the service of law, you are no longer practicing a practicing attorney. There are a few policies, more than a few policies, that will allow you, if you have been with a certain policy for more than three years, that will offer a free retiring tail coverage. Now, the language is the most important part is you have to truly cease the practice of law. You cannot moonlight. You cannot, you know, it will negate any tail that you get if you continue to practice law in any other capacity. You have to truly be retiring. If it's not free, one year tail can cost about 100% of the annual premium You know, a two-year tail is sometimes 125, 150% of that annual premium. Uh, And then you go up to, you know, 300% for uh, an unlimited tail. Then you have to really think about your area of practice. How exposed are you? If you practice in anything that has an unlimited tail practice, which is, you know, a state probate trust, which is not necessarily the audience here, but as an example, that has an unlimited tail. You that lawsuit can come 30 years from now. You would want to buy an unlimited tail if you had any exposure to a state probate or trust practice. If you're just doing personal injury and there's a statute of limitations for two or three years in your state, that's fine. You could kind of feel a little more comfortable. And Danny, I'll just cut in for a moment and let you know that I recently finished a matter with a few trial attorneys, and even though here in Massachusetts there's a three-year statute of limitations on negligence, the plaintiff's attorney that I represent, they pointed out that their client agreement is a contract. So under Massachusetts laws, statute of limitations for a contract is six years. So we erred on the side of promoting them purchasing an unlimited-in-time policy. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it, and then you get into the whole, whether it's surplus lines or non-surplus lines or standard or non-standard policy, a lot of the non-standard or surplus lines policies do not offer an unlimited tail. They will only offer up to three years. Then you're in a little bit of a pickle. And there is a bit of a market for tail. If they're bigger tails, there can be an open brokerage market for it. 
Uh, but there has to be some premium behind it as well. And just to add some of my own personal experience, Danny, and um, and also to give kudos to you and the work that you do, it's important from what Danny said a few minutes ago, when Danny said that the cost of a tail policy is locked into the policy. So anyone that's going to be purchasing a tail, the ERP, it's based on that year's policy premium. So all that 100%, 150%, up to as high as 300% is based upon that year's policy premium. So for any law firm or lawyer that's considering a merger or considering a sale or considering even just packing it in, it's very important to keep your eye on when your policy is going to renew because any of the planning for the cost of a tail policy needs to be done before your policy renews. That's exactly right. I I 100% agree with you. I'm dealing with a tail right now and ERP you know, our, our term for it, our slang term for it or whatever is tail. Uh, I'm dealing with it right now. I have a client, 25-person firm in Chicago that's getting bought by a, a very large firm. And we're the last part of the negotiation. And I get a phone call out of the blue. We need to buy tail. And it's a part of the negotiation with this firm that they're getting bought. But it is not a cheap deal. It's, you know, three dollars $400,000 worth of uh coverage to buy an unlimited tail for this practice. And uh, it's not something you want to do in hindsight. You want to plan for this before you get too far down the road with it. So if we haven't inspired the listeners yet, please take out your policy Look at the ERP section. It's usually deeper down in the policies. Yeah, it's in the back. That's correct. (laughs) Right. But find it, look at it. And if you're planning to make any moves with your law firm anytime within the next six months to 12 months uh, or, or longer, please consider contacting your broker. Please consider contacting Danny Hughes directly. Danny, before we let you go... Could you also clue us in on changes that you're seeing in the legal malpractice insurance market generally? Uh, the world is always changing before us. What are you seeing as, as market changes in, in, in your market? For the first time in 15 years, we are starting to see a hardening of the market in lawyers. Uh, and to give you a little perspective, you know, for the last, I have never worked in a hard market. I've been in this business 14 years. The last hard market was after 9-11. So I have not experienced a market that I'm starting to experience now. To give you an example, if you are a law firm that buys $350 million worth of insurance, you are having a harder time this year and probably can only buy $250 million worth of insurance because the market capacity is drying up. Uh, There's a couple of big players that left because of claims. There's a rumor that there's a billion dollars of uh, either reserved or paid claims in large law right now. And it is starting to trickle to the middle and the smaller market. Now, if you ask any carrier domestically, they have all lost money underwriting law firms in America for the last 10 years. But for some reason, the market in the last nine months really started to actually penalize people for it. Before that, there would just be new carriers coming along at all times, and I could find a new carrier to place somebody with if there was an intention to get an increase. 
Well, there's a little less uh, bendability, I guess you could say. And so we are starting to see for the first time a market that is less forgiving for mistakes. And even if you make don't make mistakes, we are seeing anywhere from our book of business was up 6% last year on rate for the first time ever. I think it averaged 7 to 10% decreases for the 13 years prior to that. So we are starting to see a hardening of the market in the lawyer space. And many people have seen it in their property and casualty renewals and everything else. It's finally hitting the lawyer space. So my recommendation to people is get your applications done early and allow your broker to go to the market and effectively broker so that if the news is not good, they can relay it to you and also be able to go out there and go to the rest of the market if need be. Give your broker enough time to broker your policy this year. And Danny, you're based in Chicago. Uh, You mentioned earlier in the interview that you work with approximately 260 plaintiff's firms across the country. So are you able to underwrite law firms across the U.S.? Yeah, I'm actually in 40 states out of 50. Um, I think I just wrote one in Idaho. I'm actually a broker, so I don't do any of the underwriting. But uh, yes, one of the huge advantages of being in Chicago is if you're a plaintiff lawyer, you've probably received most of your checks from an insurance company in Chicago. We are the middle of the country. Uh, O'Hare Airport allows me to have a cup of coffee in any state in the U.S. at 930 tomorrow morning. Well, wonderful. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. Danny Hughes, Thompson Flanagan, specialists for specialists, focusing on E&O with a particular focus on law firms and a sub-niche working with trial attorneys across the country. Danny, thank you so much. And if you could just let us know a website where uh, listeners can go to find out more about Thompson Flanagan. Yeah, Jeremy, thank you for your time. And thanks for allowing me to be on this. Uh, You can go to Thompson Flanagan, that's T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, Flanagan, F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N.com. Thompsonflanagan.com is our website and uh, my bio and my contact information is on there. And uh, reach out to me if you'd like, and uh, I'll help you any way I can. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. For more information, please visit SeniorAttorneyMatch.com. You can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, by calling me at 781-247-4211 or sending me a text message at 617-285-3325.